on. And we are recording with Mr. Or if I'm correct, retired Lieutenant Colonel Bernard Flowers, Bernie Flowers. He's been on here before. And for all future listeners today, Sunday, December 18th, 2022, um, just talking about retirement, not that I'm retired, but saying how my parents are retired. I think they work harder than ever before, but I think they're happier than ever before. And uh, just to continue with the conversation we were having just a minute ago, you said that you're kind of feeling the same. I am thrilled to be retired. Um, I'm thrilled to be doing what I'm doing. I am involved in politics in a way that I always wanted to get involved with, but I couldn't do so from where I was sitting in the federal government. Um, I am, I just wrote a book. I mean, I will talk about that later, Mm -hmm. but the point is that I feel free to say what's on my mind Mm -hmm. and that is priceless. And I couldn't do that before. Yeah. And I would imagine you probably appreciate it more now. I mean, obviously you serve the country and you, you know, and I think that probably comes with the territory is, you know, sometimes you're not sometimes most of the time I'd imagine you just have to shut up and fall in line, um, which I am incapable of doing, which is why I'm doing a (laughs) podcast from a bedroom. But, um, but you, you know, you went about it the right way. Now you're fine. Now you're retired. Now you're set. And now you can say what you want to say. Um, now, is it necessary? It's not I wouldn't imagine it's anything like critical of of your your former job, but rather just in general, you're free to speak. I am free to speak. I don't have anything specifically bad to say about my former job, but I believe that you know, in public service. I believe that we should be in service to humanity and specifically to our own country. Mm-hmm. And um, I got some tweaks that I think should be incorporated into what we're doing. And I'm free to try to make those tweaks happen. So um, that's where I am. And uh, as I told you, I uh, we're, uh, Bernie and I are going to do an episode in January for your new book. But yeah, real quick, plug that. Tell me what it's about and tell everybody what it's about. Well, if you don't mind, can you sure. see this? Bring it a little closer. Get... Uh, yeah, yeah. There you go. Black <laughs> values matter. There you can see it. Yes. I'm going to read you the, ba- the back page of the book. Please and do. then I'll shut up for a little while. No. The, uh, it says, Blacks are among the most conservative ethnic groups in America. Somebody needs to tell them that because as a group, we aren't voting like it. Most Blacks I know are concerned with basic common sense issues like crime, inflation, the economy, taxes, school choice, vaccinations, etc. Most Blacks I know want equal opportunity, not equal outcomes. Republicans are interested in kitchen table issues, while progressive Democrats concern themselves with trending social issues. The Democrat Party treats Black Americans as voiceless, reliable generational support. The Republican Party is not much better in its treatment of Blacks, offering few viable alternatives to progressive Democrat policies. Liberal policies sound great in political campaigns, but after several decades of unbroken political support, what has the greater Black community received in exchange for decades of undying reinforcement of progressive causes? Maybe it's time to audit our one-sided political support. I offer that America's Black civil rights movement has been conflated and neutered 
through association with the issues of supposedly oppressed minorities. This essay is my attempt to get Black voters to understand that in the end, Black values matter. You've got That's my it. you've got my interest, and in, uh, I'd ra- I'd rather you not shut up for a while because people are here to listen to you, not listen to my meandering thoughts, which they've. But um, this is episode one thousand thirty-two. They've got more than a thousand episodes of me running my mouth and acting like a moron. So, well, dude, I actually like listening to you for one. And look at this oh. black shirt. You recommended to me the last time I was on. Always wear dark colors when you're on online like this. And so, look at me. I'm you wearing are. a black I shirt. I'm that. listening to you. I noticed dude. that. I I always do. I've got like three of these shirts, and I retire. Uh, this one might be time to retire. When I when I start to notice holes in them, or when there's stretch marks, that's when I start to notice. But I like it. I like to kind of wear the same thing. It's less of anything to uh, be concerned about or worried about. Um, dude, I learn a lot from you, and that's just one of the many things I've learned. Oh, from sir. You. Um, I did kind of want to talk about because uh, I know nothing about it. And but now that it's been released is uh is the the B twenty one Raider and I I know you can't talk about anything I understand classified blah, blah I get all that I'm not trying to pry with that but I'm bringing it up because it has been officially unveiled by the Air Force so I feel like to an extent there is some some of the shadow has been has been removed um for anyone that doesn't know what it is it's the stealth bomber that looks almost identical to the B two Spirit the B two Spirit came out in nineteen eighty. Nine. I've interviewed uh, one of those pilots before. Um, it is most notably no, most notable because one, it looks like a UFO, and two, it costs two billion dollars a piece. The newer one doesn't. I didn't know this. The Raider is named after Doolittle's raid, so I thought that was kind of cool. Um, but in terms of, I guess, just Air Force power. Earlier in this year, with the alleged launch of the Kinzhal the Russian hypersonic weapon. And I know that China's got the largest and most advanced hypersonic wind tunnel. Is this kind of uh obviously this wasn't re- built this year. It's been in development for a long time. Does this make you, does this make you a little more, um, what am I looking for? Angry. I was, I wasn't going with angry. I was going to say, uh, a little more comfortable with U.S. air power, but let's explore that. What do you mean angry? Well, here's the thing. We have no near-peer competitor. I mean, bottom line is you, China, they have weapons that they basically copied from us. Yeah. Now that, stop me if I go too far, that hypersonic missile that they talk about in the trade magazines is real. Mm-hmm. Okay. But that B-21 Raider is not going to do anything about that. Yeah. Um, when you're talking about dogfighting, dueling, dropping bombs on a foreign nation, we have the best capability in the world. Why are we spilling, spending $2 billion a copy uh, on an aircraft when our inner cities are falling apart, while we have a rust belt that is falling apart, while we've got fentanyl coming across our borders? And um, yeah, uh, the military industrial compact plex is getting richer and richer and richer and richer. And, um, but do we don't have a threat that would require us to use such a weapon? And have we dropped any nuclear bombs lately? No. So why do we need this monstrous weapon? Fair point. And it's not, I don't think it could even be argued that 
let's take, you know, I'll be making a lot of general brushes here, but let's take World War II, where the things we were building weren't necessarily, with the exception of the atomic bomb, weren't necessarily uh, technological marvels. It was more so just quantity. B-29s, B, uh, B-17s, B-17s, tanks, uh, Liberty ships, just yeah. P-51 Mustangs, just copy, print, copy, paste, copy, paste. What yeah. that did do was it put the average man, well, the average man was serving, it took the average woman into these into these factories, you know, Rosie the Riveter, or you're right. making shells. And now, granted, there's a whole larger argument of, well, should we be employing people for weapons building only? But let's just kind of focus on this is the argument there is it at least it put people to work. This yes. isn't even this is such a a highly esoteric, I mean, you got to have four PhDs to be pushing the bleeding edge of radar absorbing material and UHF. And it's like, that's all well and good. I get it. We don't live in a happy-go-lucky Garden of Eden world. I get it. You do need those weapons. But the the polarization and the gap is getting larger and larger between any sort of put America back to work and, you know, homeless people shitting in the streets more and more families growing up in single parent households more and more people dropping dead with blue lips from fentanyl yep and yet we're still doing this and to add insult to injury you're right we're not we're not fighting a soviet union at parity with us we're we just got out of i mean i was just reading a book about how we're using the b1b lancer a low-altitude supersonic nuclear delivery vehicle meant for the Soviet Union. We we're using it to like bomb motorcycle uh, convoys in Afghanistan. Like it wasn't it wasn't built for tactical use. An no. A10 will do just fine. Well, and that's what the whole book actually goes. It's called um, uh, "The Spoils of War," I believe, by Andrew Coburn, and they do just that. They talk about the A10 and. Even the soldiers were going, why are we using the B-1B? And there were a bunch of Air Force generals going, well, we've got to use it. And it's like, dude, we are we're using a hundred thousand dollar hammer to like yeah. break open a piece of mail. It's not it's not the case. But so, you know, it doesn't it's nothing really. Um, it's nothing innovative or brave for us to sit here and talk about what's wrong with the country. I think anybody can do that. What is there any actual path to winding down or at least slowing down the military industrial complex and providing for inner cities providing for you know at least just enforcing the idea of a border is there any is there any real effective method to get there or is this just you and i pontificating i think you know i really I walked away from this nice, comfortable, cushy, maxed out civilian job because sure. of this. We, people like us, the intelligentsia, and I like to put myself into that category and same as you, we got to get involved. What you're doing is spreading awareness. I am trying to spread awareness. I was talking to my nieces last night. They were over uh, for dinner. My my family were running around watching the babies play and eating and having a good time. And um, these are educated young women, you know, both University of Maryland graduates. 
and bright young folks, but they didn't really understand what I was doing and why I was doing it. And they've got to get not necessarily educated, but they have to understand the military and industrial complex is basically making war on the world. We are not always the good guys. And when we go overseas and drop bombs on people that are not near peer competitors to us, we're creating enemies unless we kill everybody. And so one day that's going to come back to our own shores. Now, back to your original question, what can we do about it? We've got to wake people up and make sure that they understand that their votes count. Uh, One party system like we have in Maryland is only going to support the party that's in charge and the the 1% that continues to become more and more wealthy. And uh, they're going to keep on making B-21 raiders and keep enriching their pockets through the stock market while we sit here and drive through Baltimore and see homeless people and wonder, well, what's the government going to do about this? Well, what's Bernie going to do? Bernie's going to become part of the government in a position to where I can make a lot of noise. And I may win, I may lose, but they're going to know my name. Yeah. And it's, yeah, I always... I always come back to the importance of at least bringing awareness because it is, I'm an optimistic guy. I force myself to be optimistic. It's, it's nothing that comes natural. I have to be, I have to always be looking to the horizon. I have to pray. I have to, it's, it's, it's something that I've been practicing for 32 years. Um, and you're good at it. Thank you, sir. It, it is, you do get challenged. When you ever like play a sport as a kid and, you know, like I I never played basketball my entire life. And I started when I was in sixth grade. All my friends have been playing in our short lives since like kindergarten. And I was the worst one on the team. And all I did was practice year round all day after. That's all I did. And I became like one of the best kids in my like, you know, immediate group. And I felt so awesome about it. And I was like, hell yeah. And then you go and try out for like the AAU team. And you you get your shit sent home in a package and you're like, it's discouraging. And sometimes through this podcast, I feel like I'm flying high and I'm like, I'm interviewing these people. We're talking about this, that, the other thing. You're like, let's do it. And then you go and, you know, you see like the Pentagon's awarded like $800 billion and you're reading books about just how deep and and how complex and how how far the roots have spread and you're like, oh, this is this is a mountain of a complex. But and that can be disillusioning. But I always come back to the at the very least, like, well, we should at least identify it. That's the very you can do something. You can at least identify it and talk about it. Maybe something as simple as no, someone doesn't know what the B-21 Raider is or something as simple as like uh you and I aren't the first to bring this this problem up, right? And it's not even a a liberal hippie thing. I mean, I think most notably is Dwight Eis- Dwight Eisenhower, uh, January seventeenth, uh, 19, 1961, 1960. Yeah, something in the Oval Office, as he's leaving, beware the military industrial. Co- this isn't some bleeding heart. 
Bernie Sanders. This is this is Dwight Eisenhower. I mean, you see the photos of him standing ramrod straight talking to the soldiers the day before D Day. This guy, yeah, this guy ain't no this bitch. The dude, yeah, this dude, yeah. this guy was the dude, as real deal as you get. And then you can even wind back the clock uh, twenty eight years prior to that. General Smedley Butler, war is My a favorite. racket. Yeah, yeah, yep. the, the the original Dwight Eisenhower. Hey, I I love Ike, but you know he. He, uh, he plagiarized. He plagiarized Smedley. Smedley was the, yeah. the real deal. He was bringing it out first in '33. I got the book right over here. I Wars think we talked about it last time. Yeah, it's a great, it's a great book. And then there's a uh, um, Gangsters of Capitalism is is about Smedley. It's not by him. And then um, the plot to seize the White House is also about him. Two very good books. Yeah, but the point is, is when you at least illuminate that you can kind of bring awareness to it that it's not just you and I pontificating on a podcast on rumble. This has been brought up and brought up by the former heads of these groups. This isn't just standing on the side of the road with a piece of cardboard that says the military industrial complex is no, these are the highest of the high guys coming out and going, this is a problem. I mean, general MacArthur came out post-world war II and was like, there will always be a boogeyman. There will always be a new enemy in need of uh, discipline from a growing military industrial complex. And then, as you pointed out earlier, and as I think we all go through, we go, well, maybe we should stop bombing these countries because these are forming the people that hate us. I mean, Ron Paul, the idea of blowback. You blow up a wedding, if you don't kill them all, which you shouldn't be doing anyway, you're going to have some kid that grows up with nothing, with no AAU basketball, with no podcast, with no running water. The only thing he has... Is, is the the white hot hatred of the memory of his family being disintegrated, and why wouldn't he? And so yep. it is to him that is what I'm going to do with my life is I'm going to get. And why wouldn't you? So, at the very least, you can kind of just let people know that this is you and I both know Smedley Butler. Yes, the vast majority of people I talk to on this podcast know Dwight Eisenhower, but they don't know Smedley. So the point of this whole rant is like there, there is value in at least making people aware that this isn't a new problem. It's been diagnosed multiple times over the last century, century and change. It is a problem and it's not going to go away. No. Unless there's a groundswell of at least awareness. Well, let me let me bring this back to you. Sure. Two billion dollars. I remember just recently with the latest um, election or the the midterms and our illustrious president, Mr. Biden said, or intimated that I'm going to take away, I'm going to give everyone, you know, what, $20,000 worth of student loan debt relief. He knew that was unconstitutional. Mm -hmm. $2 billion could go a long way towards eliminating student debt for people your age. And People who are less astute as you fell for it hook, line, and sinker. Now, I happen to know that Mr. Biden, as president of the United States, has an army of lawyers who told him, advised him that that would have been unconstitutional in order to, you know, remove that debt. And it created a stir, but he told that falsehood. People believed it. And... um, Oh, as soon as the election was over, well, that's unconstitutional. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, don't worry about it anymore. Bait and switch. 
You've been played for a sucker. But in the meantime, 21, that B-21 Raider is still going forward. And General Dynamics and, um, you know, uh, McDonnell Douglas and Raytheon, all of them are, you know, singing the praises of capitalism. But, you know, it doesn't work so well when everybody doesn't get a piece of the pie. And, you know, our uh, um, manufacturing arm has been given away through globalization many, many years ago, generation ago, back during the Obama Clinton time. And um, now here we are. Um, we got a service economy. Uh, I remember Obama saying something to the effect of, well, we're going to let the we're going to do this Asian pivot and let them do our manufacturing for us. And all of us are going to be, you know, um, computer technicians. We're not going to be manufacturing anymore. And uh, I look around, I drive down I-95 and I see hardly any American cars anymore. Now, I got two American cars in my my driveway, and I'm not saying they're the greatest things in the world. And but. What I am saying is we're not making anything that really counts. Some of us are prospering. Some of us are uh, in the defense industry and, and doing well, but there's a lot of people in Baltimore, a lot of people in the inner city, a lot of people in the Rust Belt that are not doing well. I mean, just recently um, during my campaign time, I'm out in Western Maryland. And the further, you know, once you go past Westminster, you're really in the Midwest. That's the attitude. That's the way things are. That's how people think. Um, the urban things that, that, that trouble Baltimore and PG County are not an issue out there. They're looking at fentanyl. They're looking at lack of jobs. They're looking at manufacturing and kids growing up in small town America that don't have something to look forward to. They have to move to the city or, um, or maybe build a podcast in order to make a living. So, um, I just have an issue with people being left behind. There's too much money, too much wealth in this country um, for there to be so many people that have so much despair. And we're not making anything better. And I look around at some of the plans that I'm seeing with the World Economic Forum. I just finished reading that uh, Fourth Industrial Revolution. I mm -hmm. know you have. That bothers me. And when I was talking to my young nieces, uh, one of my young nieces, particularly, who's interested in um, politics last night, she'd never even heard of the World Economic Forum. And this woman's a college graduate, very bright woman. But we have to wake up and understand who our enemy is. And these people don't have good plans for us. And um, I see it coming. And um, hey, I'm, I've got two retirement checks coming from the United States government. I've got nothing but free time and energy on my hand to agitate the system. And that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> And it, that is kind of like a, a bigger level concern is you go, well, what is the fourth industrial revolution? We are, you know, there are certain themes and cycles that, that just repeat throughout history. You know, history doesn't repeat, but it rhymes. Like I get that the rise of empires, the coalescence of wealth, the, the kind of rampant debauchery and, and and depraved indulgences that tend to go on towards the end of an empire and then a new one rises. America's, I do believe, somewhat different in that uh, instead of just growing wealthy and tired, we kind of have, a, I think, a genius system of uh, letting new poor people in here who, who then grow and try to get richer. But we are approaching something that hasn't happened before in human history. Sure, you could argue that weren't B-21 Raiders a thousand years ago. Yeah, but in general, 
growing agriculture, whatever the weapon of the day is, be it a bronze shield or be it a catapult or be it a P-51 Mustang or be it a B-21 Raider or whatever it is in a hundred years, some orbital directed energy weapon. Those are all constant themes and your wealth can either be that you're a king in the tallest spire of a castle or that you've got a penthouse in nine cities, whatever it is. Those all repeat in unique ways, unique in their manifestation, but repetitive ways in their their themes. Wealth aggregation, reaching a height of, of folly and arrogance and cockiness, and then a new invasion, war, famine, whatever. There is something happening now that hasn't happened before. And it is the advancement of automation not 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 textile mills not not a not a a water-powered loom in connecticut 300 years ago no the actual automation of everything that a human can do and not just i used to think well you know there will always at least be the creative side of humanity Man, you'd see now the most brilliant art you've ever seen is AI, and it generates it in half a second. Yeah. When you look at it, you go, oh, we, uh, we're we getting obsolete. Yes. And so when you look around and go, they can't let all these people. It'd be one thing if China was rising and becoming a new America. You'd be like, oh, well, this empire is falling and that one's rising. But just as many people there are screwed as there are here. So you go, what's going on, right? When you make the bed and one corner pops up and you go and make that corner and the other corner pops up, that's kind of the rise and fall of empires throughout human history. The wealth, the innovation, the brain power, it moves. We're not seeing that movement now, yet it's still evaporating. And where is it evaporating to? Upwards. Why? Yes. Because I don't think we're needed. You used to at least, you didn't want to kill all the the serfs because somebody somebody still had to plow the fields somebody still had to you know go get the firewood i don't i don't know that they need us anymore and that is man that makes the military industrial complex problem that makes you yearn for that one go i i miss the good old days of presidents saying watch out for this and it's unwarranted influence this is world economic forum fourth industrial revolution great reset Agenda 201, Agenda 23, whatever you want to call it. Man, this is the... Yeah, I don't even know how to start this one. Well, well, let me, let me, let me go along that track a little bit. Sure. Years ago, I'm a big fan of uh, TED Talks. Yeah. And I heard literally 20 years ago, Bill Gates adv- advocating for population reduction. Yeah. So Mr. Gates happens to be the owner of the largest, uh, he's the largest owner of farmland in the entire United States, arable Mm -hmm. farmland. Okay, so that means he has the ability to control our food distribution, our food production, and we've allowed him to do this. And why is Bill Gates, who has no degree uh, that I know of, he's in charge of, uh, he owns all this farmland, he sells us computer and software, and he sells us vaccine uh, vaccines. Oh. Is this man omnipotent? No man is omnipotent, but we've allowed this person to become so almost uber powerful. And that tells me that, okay, 20 years ago, 
you're advocating for a reduced population. He's already been kicked out of several countries, but he's selling us vaccines. Uh, are we that stupid? So again, I see this, this trend towards reducing the population. I see the people who are in charge who don't seem to have any care about the um, the the greater population, and then the World Economic Forum is over here talking about you know digital bank you know central bank digital currencies. Mm -hmm. So let's say you implement this, and and the government has has control of everything that you do. Um, there's no more bartering. There's no more trading. There's no more cash. It's okay. Um, I want to go and buy some bread, but Bernie's this right wing. Um, nationalist who believes that we should be using cash. Well, let's just go shut down his um, his bank account and let's see how right-wing he really is. Let's see if he believes in what he really says. Mm. So that those things um, unnerve me. And what bothers me more is that more people aren't seeing this. Yeah. They're not they're not getting the idea that the 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 AI the the government, the World Economic Forum, the 1% seems to be closing in on us. Things are not the same. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, and it's something that if you bring up, I mean, it takes, uh, you gotta really, you gotta ease people into the idea of a military industrial complex. It's very helpful that we can point back to a former president and be like, here's the thing, right? And it's, that gives it a little more uh, sticking power. But once you start talking about this, which is all factual, I mean, I read, um, Ray Kurzweil's "The Singularity Is Near." I read that in two thousand seven. I was a weird. I was wow, a weird, I was a weird guy so, in high school. Yeah, I'm. I'm uh, still weird. <laughs> um. Uh. Yeah. It's. Uh, yeah. I was. I was. Re I remember talking to people. I'm like, oh, it's coming. The the biogenomics, the biotechnology, the nanobots. We're gonna upload our minds into it, and everybody's like, the hell's wrong with you? Um. Exactly. But I remember reading that in two thousand seven, and kind of having the realization of like, uh, oh, they are it's it's a new form of elite in that it's not hopping from country to country it is it is leaving behind mankind as a whole and these Agreed. ideas are these ideas are so i mean they're so unnerving and they're so huge that it's hard to even bring up to i mean think about what we just said and everything you just said is factual it's 100% factual and you can cite it but i mean just face value you mean, let's say you're trying to talk to someone that doesn't even know about Smiley Butler. And it's like, by the way, there's this group of hyper elite who control all of the world's militaries and economics who want to be able to shut down uh, any commerce they don't like, which is the flow. If the world is a cell, they are they're shutting down the flow of energy and ATP to anything they don't like. And, and they can double and triple and quadruple down to things they do like. They can monitor everything using an NSA surveillance state, which was built to fight terror. What a surprise. Using your own defense as a reasoning to build up the weapon, which will ultimately control you. And that they're realizing for the first, not realizing, but have been predicting and are working to bring about for the first time in human history. You don't need, I mean, what are we really? We're, 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 what we really are are first generation robots. We're bipedal. We stand on our hind legs. We have hands with 10 digits, opposable thumbs. We have sight sensors. We have sound sensors and we can keep our own balance. We run on carbohydrates, fats, and proteins and water. And we produce waste, which can be used for fertilizer. We are machines and they're producing machines now that are made of metal. 
that can do it faster. They don't require rights. They don't take days off. They don't even take evenings off. Nope. They run on electricity. They got rid of all the other stuff like hormones and love and imagination. And they don't think they just take orders more, more astutely and readily than even the best Nazi. Yeah. They're starting to look at us and go, I don't know, to quote Henry Kissinger, they're starting to look like a bunch of useless eaters. Actually, the first time I heard that phrase was from Hillary Clinton, who is an acolyte of Henry Kissinger, Kish, uh, Kissinger uh -huh. um, worthless eaters. And, you know, that kind of, you know, I heard that first in the 90s and it kind of hit me to what they were thinking. And it just kept it in the back of my mind as I carried a gun for, the, for Uncle Sam. And all these things have just kind of resonated with me and just welled up within the last 10 years. And I'm like, I'm on the wrong side of this. I'm yeah. on the wrong side of this. And people have dignity. People have worth. And, but it seems like some people are just willing to give their dignity and worth for comfort. They're just ready to give it away. And I'm not ready to do that. And um, I can see that a lot of the people that are in charge have an agenda and it, it is not good for us. I mean, for example, um, I'm a big fan of Elon Musk and I like what he did with Twitter and I think it's wonderful. However, he's also talking about Neuralink, mm -hmm. which is a technology that could be used to subdue humanity. Yeah. That's the deal. And yeah. that scares me. What are you going to do when you start making, you know, implants? I mean, we're walking around. We, every one of us has a cell phone. We're already, we're already digital animals. Mm -hmm. And they are monitoring, when I say they, the 1%, the military industrial complex, the medical industrial complex, they're able to monitor everything that we do right now. Uh, years ago, and I'm, I'm ranting, so no, stop no, me whenever going, no. you feel like it. Yeah, it's all I do. Keep going. <laughs> well, you know, me and my buddies back when I was in the military back in the day, you know, I remember getting lost in, uh, in, a, in a sandstorm um out between um kuwait and iraq on the border and i uh, had two convoys or a convoy with you know like five trucks and we're up front and uh we didn't have any gps we had a map and me and my deputy were in the lead truck and we just pulled out the map and we just we didn't even slow down it's like the sandstorm came we couldn't see the road anymore but we, we we knew if we just kept going north and we had our compasses we were good to go yeah and i you know i drove all over europe before I had a cell phone, I drove all over Korea and all over Asia and yada, yada, yada. But the issue is now um, most people can't get anywhere without a GPS and we're dumbing ourselves down and we're making ourselves computer um, dependent. And so now it's like, well, can you calculate the tip for your meal? And most people can't even do that anymore. So I intentionally worked that out in my own head intentionally. And, you know, I'm just that, that old school kind of guy, but we got to understand that these people want us dependent on these, um, these devices because we're making ourselves dumber and dumber and dumber. And I sound like the get off my lawn old guy. And I probably am now and that's okay. But TikTok is making us dumb. Uh, it's owned by the Chinese government. Uh, they're get, I can tell you they're gathering information on each one of us and um, it's not good. It's not good at all. And people need to wake up. 
I have always justified not being able to calculate the tip by just tipping. I just say I I, I tip good, and that's always yeah. been my rationale. As I go, I just whatever whatever I have in the wallet, I'll, I'll give them one of those. That's always been go. my rationalization. But so, <clears throat> in all these ways, we are becoming dependent, right? I mean, you could argue that at thirty-two, uh, what immediate skills do I have in this world compared to historical thirty-two-year-olds? I would argue not not a whole lot. I know how to turn the lights on. I know how to turn the computer on. I know how to send an email, send a Zoom invite. I know how to find interesting guests and um, and ask them to come on the show. So on one hand, we are undeniably becoming dumber and less skilled. However, <laughs> it used to be that, uh, I mean, I think they said that some, and I remember re watching or reading this statistic in 2006, and it was uh, a single week's worth of New York Times articles in the year 2006 was more information than an entire household would come across in 1806. So becoming less skilled, I don't know how to work a loom or build a Model T, but if I can use my thumb and go on this phone, I can now go Smedley Butler. I can yeah. now go Fourth Industrial Revolution, World Economic Forum, B-21 Raider, whatever. So although we are, I, I don't know how to sharpen a spear. I don't know how to uh, track down a, a deer. But in some ways, I am doing more than a hundred of me could have done a hundred years ago. The number of people I reach, you know, if I have 12,000 subscribers that I can reach on any given day, I don't have to wait for them all to be assembled in the town square. It's not a once a year pilgrimage where we go to the big city and see the lights in many ways, I'm doing more than I could have ever done in, in multitudes. So, but you, sir, are an anomaly. Well, but you don't, you don't need a hundred percent of people to do how many, how many, not everyone is going to take advantage of every opportunity, right? There are a lot of people who, you know, I look at my dad, my, my dad grew up dirt poor in an industrial town and, uh, climb through the the ranks of uh, of of the the poultry industry in the nineties and two thousands. That's a rough business. It is a very rough business. He is a a rough Irish man. But there were also <laughs> a lot of people with the same brain power as him, with the same opportunities or lack thereof, from the same kind of destitute town, who didn't do that. So I think you have to accept that not everyone's going to do it, and that's just that's a given. So what I'm getting at is, no, I can't, you know, I can, I can get to the local grocery store and the gas station. I just moved to, I just moved to Portland, Maine. I don't know anything about this in my own city. I don't know how to drive around. I have no idea how wow. to drive around. I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. So no, I, I, I need a GPS, but we are also, we're also reaching these levels of, of capabilities that we couldn't do before. No, I can't track a deer. No, I can't build an engine. But what I can do is like that, I can reach 12,000 people in like 35 countries who listen to the podcast who now know about Smedley Butler. So my my point is this is, and this is the optimist in me, I can't completely look at technology and our dependence on it as it's a double-edged sword. It is very bad. They want to monitor everything. They want to control central bank, digital currency, CBDCs. They, they want to do all of that. But 
we can also do more than we've ever done before. We can talk and I can I can get people in this moment on the other side of the country to start reading about a book or something that I could never do before. So I don't think it's all bad. And then and then furthermore, to kind of back up another level. I don't think that any of this is avoidable. You it yeah. just it it just is. I get so, what you're saying. So although there are all these critiques of the internet and of phones, it's also it's not going away. It's here. And if no. we do, if we don't use it, our our concern won't be the fourth industrial revolution, it'll just be the neighboring country that does use it to advance us. So it's a lot it's like I've never surfed in my life, but it's a lot like a wave. We have to surf this. And the dangers are the government can monitor it all and they can shut it down in an instant. But we don't have a choice. Like, we're not going back to Amish country. We have to learn how to surf the wave that we're on. And that's a daunting challenge. But we have to it move is. forward with this environment isn't changing. So we have to learn how to fight in this environment. And, you know, and um, the thing with me and, you know, you probably had a lot more or better yet more recent educational courses than I have. Although I've spent my entire life, you know, in the government and the military constantly learning, you're the kind of guy that reads books on your own. And, and mm -hmm. I am too. But the issue is what I don't see as a technologist is any emphasis on ethics, business mm -hmm. ethics. Um, we've got people that are technologists like Bill Gates what has he learned about just simply being good to your fellow man or examining someone else's idea and, and juxtaposing that idea with your own and trying to understand whether this is good for society or not. For me, from what I see, he's got his idea on what he wants to do and he's not listening to anyone else. And that is why you find someone with such a monopoly. And uh, these people have these ideas about climate change, and, um, you know, the climate's going to change regardless. And, you know, you got these ice core samples that show that we've had more carbon in the environment, less carbon in the environment. I'm, I follow that stuff with like Randall Carlson, Carlson mm -hmm. people like that. And uh, you exactly know who he is, but a lot of people don't because a lot of people aren't curious. And um, when you go through the curriculums and schools, they're teaching all this social stuff. And I don't see anybody teaching any ethics. I teach, see less and less history. Um, I see le more and more control. And we're not teaching our kids to be free thinkers. And um, if we don't do that, AI will take over. Yeah, That's the advantage that we have is our, creativ our creativity and our free thinking nature. And uh, that's been the driver of our economy for a long time. And that's why this place is still the place where people want to come to. However, we've got to figure out some way to get people to be more ethical. I think. I think the way to do that, and it's, you know, kind of your cheesy hallmark line, but it's to uh, lead by example, you know, ethics, there you go. ethics and morals are fascinating that much like love. It's not always the, the profitable path. It's not over it's, well, thermodynamics. It's not over the most uh, energetically efficient path. You know, it's uh, when you, when you look out for a sibling or a cousin or something, 
you're not making money on that. It's taking time no. out of your, but what do you do it? Well, it's, there's something deeper and it's, it's the override button. That is love. That is ethics. That is morals. That is if you, you know, I humanity. personally, yes, your humanity. I personally, I believe in a God. Maybe you don't, you can still be a moral person, but there is an override button, right? Where you go, this isn't, you don't have to tip anyone, but there is something about going, Hey man, this guy's delivering my McDonald's at uh 2 AM on Friday. I don't, yeah. I don't think he'd be doing this if he didn't have to be doing it. Throw him five bucks, whatever. There is an override button. And so, yes, on just someone like Bill Gates alone, it seems like they just run free with the power. And you're always going to have that. But then there's also, you know, if, if I wanted this, if, if I wanted this podcast to purely just be an enterprise about views and clicks, one, I wouldn't be talking about Smedley Butler. I'd be talking about the Kardashians. But two, I wouldn't have willingly and knowingly got kicked off uh, YouTube. And uh, I'm not allowed on iTunes. And I'm banned from Twitter. And I'm banned from Reddit. But I also know that there are values like freedom of speech. And I also know what's coming if we bend the knee. In the short term, it will be better. I'll stop getting censored and I can maybe make a buck on this. But in the long term, these very warnings that have been given out will come faster. And the ultimate, you know, fourth industrial revolution techno uh, technocratic dictatorship that's coming is far outweighs any good I get from shutting up. So you can still and there's a double edged sword or there's a there's two birds with one stone to that is one. You have your override button where you can go. It's not right to censor speech. I'm going to get banned and it's going to hurt my channel, but. I'm going to do it because it's the right thing. And then there's also, well, how do you teach? How do you teach ethics? Well, you, you practice what you preach. I can sit here and talk about the right thing, but if I'm not doing anything, no one's going to be inspired to do anything versus if you lead by example, someone's going to look at it and go, Oh, oh. I mean, even right now, I would say Elon for all of his flaws, he's leading by example. He did agree. He, he could very well have, bought Twitter and just let it keep running. Yep. He wouldn't, he wouldn't be not just Twitter. I mean, his actions on Twitter have made people attack him from every industry. All of his government contracts are in jeopardy now. Yeah. Why did he do that? Why did he do that? And he stated that, you know, as important as getting off of fossil fuels and leaving the, you know, becoming a multiplanetary species. I think he looked at it and go, he said, I think his exact quote was something along the lines of like, Free speech and open discourse is pivotal pivotal to human civilization. Without it, we're never going to get off the planet because there will be a dictatorship, there will be tyranny, and there will be no future. We'll reenter the dark ages. So I am still hopeful because of that. It's one thing for me to get banned from YouTube. When the world's richest guy is doing it because, and I know a lot of people hate Elon Musk. I don't care. I think he's awesome. Man, he could make a lot more money just shutting up and making weapons. He doesn't have to make us, he doesn't have to make self landing rockets. He didn't have to buy Twitter and, you know, release Twitter files and, and show the encroaching tyranny and the Department of Homeland Security and the FBI and the Biden administration using Twitter to shut down free speech. That's someone doing the right thing. The, the colonists could have just shut up, paid the T tax, and gone about their life. <laughs> But that's they not didn't. his way. That's but not why, their way. So then you have to ask, well, why do they do it? Because there is something else that can't be shown on a spreadsheet. And it's ethics. It's more, it's your humanity to quote the Agreed. great Bernie flowers from two minutes ago. It's your humanity. 
that you can do the right thing. And so be it using a printing press or be it using big tech and 5G interconnectivity, I think if enough people still do the right thing, it can still be beautiful. It can still be great. That doesn't mean it's not going to be hellish between point A and point B. But if the game was already over, it would it'd be over. You and I wouldn't be allowed to talk freely Agreed. on a podcast the if they'd already The game's won. not over. The it's game's not. not over. There's people like you, people like me, people like Elon Musk. I mean, who believe in freedom. There's a lot more of us. I mean, yes. when I was a kid, there was such a thing called the moral majority. And I know there's some connotations that go along with that. But the issue of the day is there are people that are free thinkers and believe in human potential. And, and that's kind of where I am. I mean, I look around at these oligarchs and they need to be reined in. And they're only going to be reined in as if the average person checks them on their BS. And so maybe that's what I'm trying to do. Maybe that's what you're trying to do. Um, there's a lot of people that are trying to do the right thing. And um, I admire Elon Musk. Um, I like what he's doing. The neural link thing kind of scares me, but yeah. you know, yeah, but here's the thing. You can take a hammer and you can build a house or you can kill a person with it. It's our choice. So we've got to make a choice, an active choice to do what is right. And we got to teach our children to do such a thing. And um, our parents had to make that choice and their parents before them and things eventually get better. And I too am an optimist, but you know, I've just chosen to take a stand where I am and um, I'm going to just try to make things better by trying to fix uh, the, the, the surrounding area around me. And I've got some experiences in the military industrial complex and complex that is particularly unique. And um, I'm going to do my best to hold them accountable. Absolutely. So Bernie, I got to use the restroom real quick. Can you uh, tell everybody where to where to find your book? Well, that's wonderful. Um, you can find my book on amazon.com. Just type in Bernie Flowers and it'll pop right up. And um, I'm very excited. I'm a first time author. And I saw the book physically for the first time just yesterday when I went to a conference with my publisher and he surprised me. And, um, you know, he's done a wonderful thing. His name is Ken Rashan. If you're familiar with Perfect Publishing, uh, they've purchased or better yet uh, published hundreds of books and uh, they're just great people. They treated me very, very well. And I look forward to a long relationship with those guys. But the bottom line with me is um, here I am, a retired military officer with a specific background in the federal government. You know, most of my life has been behind the fence, so to speak. And I've learned a few things that I think can be useful to humanity and to specifically to the United States. So um, I ran for Congress a while back ago, did not win, but it was my first time out. And uh, next time, perhaps I'll run again, perhaps I won't, but I'm still in there fighting for, you know, America, specifically the inner city and I have a real issue with our government spending goo gobs of money on B-21 Raiders and, and um, monstrous uh, programs designed to kill people when folks are dying in right around us in the inner city. So that's kind of where I am. And um, I'm just pleased to be here. And again, 34 years behind the fence. I think I got something that I can bring to the table. Feeling better now? Yes, sir. Um, Amen. So another thing to, so to talk about something like Neuralink, I think that's a perfect example of uh, 
what I was saying earlier about you have to ride the wave. Um, I always use this analogy and I use this, not analogy, uh, I guess example, because it is, you can't really supersede it. And it's, it's uh, when uh, the scientists from the Manhattan Project came to Truman a couple of years after World War II ended and they talked to him about the hydrogen bomb, which they knew was theoretically possible. But now they're like, oh, we can actually do this a thousand times stronger than the atomic bomb, which was already the power of God, a thousand times stronger. You know, and I always tell people, go look up hydrogen bomb versus atomic bomb. At first, they might kind of look the same until you realize atomic bomb tests are, for the most part, always done somewhere in the desert, and you can see the mountains in the background. Go look at a hydrogen bomb. You'll realize it's always done in the ocean, and there are mountains. Those are clouds. That's how much bigger they are. And um, they called it an evil thing. And I think the meeting only lasted seven minutes. It's in Garrett Graff's book, uh, Raven Rock. But Truman eventually goes... uh, can the Russians do it? And they said in a couple of years, and they said, well, we have to do it. And I always look at that as you can't stick your head in the sand and go, Oh, the hydrogen bombs gross. We're not doing it. This is bad. You have to do it. The Nazis were trying to build an atomic bomb. The Japanese were all even way, even farther behind than the, uh, the Germans, but they were trying to build an atomic bomb. It wasn't just, uh, that we wanted to use it to end the war. We did, but there was also like, hey, regardless of a war, this thing's going on. That's why Leo Szilard and Einstein left Germany. And they went to FDR and they wrote a letter about a uranium bomb of terrific explosive force. So the point is, is they looked at it and said, we have to do it. The same thing with Operation Paperclip. If we don't take these Nazis, the Soviets the will. Yeah. And then instead of having rockets and... uh building our own safeguard systems about, you know, not having accidental launches and having to follow a chain of command and encrypted nuclear codes. Instead of that, we're going to be in a position where we go, boy, I sure hope the Soviets just don't attack us. And that is what technology has shown again and again and again, because we live in a, we don't live in a vacuum. We live in a world of multiple nations. If a new, godlike omniscient power starts to arise the atomic bomb powered flight whatever the computer you can't go ooh gross i'm not i'm not i'm not touching that because if you don't touch it it's you Someone and a caveman and there's and you and a caveman and you discover at the a, a sharp rock and you go oh that looks bad well, now the other caveman's like hey man if you're not picking that up i am and you're going yeah. down and i'm taking your wife and kids that is the the world we live in. Now, is that a good world? Hey, that's that's human nature, and that's far beyond the scope of this podcast. So to Neuralink, and this might be my own admiration for Elon Musk. I do I think he's an awesome role model. So, but I also could just be uh I could be blinded by my own pro-Elon bias. So that's a possibility. I think he's looking at this and going, it's coming are merging with technology. I can't just go, it's gross. Because what happens when China spearheads it? What happens when corrupt elements of the CIA? What happens when big tech, who are already seeing, will happily censor everything on your phone? What happens when you give them a chip into your brain? That's where I think he's coming from, is 
we can't just not look at it and say that's icky that's scary it's here what are you going to do with it that's kind of my two cents on Neuralink. not that you asked but you did just bring it up so well the thing is that he's our best bet bottom line yeah. is i look at these oligarchs out here okay bill gates uh thumbs down um what's the other guy um what's his name uh bezos? jeff bezos thumbs down uh i'll take elon musk every day and twice on sunday before yeah. i deal with these characters and uh we know that jeff bezos owns the washington post has the data contract for our friends over at fort meade yeah the has the contract. data contract for u.s transportation command and the cia's cloud and the CIA. So <laughs> the thing is, everything our government, everything our military does, he's got access to it before we do. And he says, well, I'm retired. I don't do that. Do we really trust a man that's oh, that just, rich? Oh, shut up, Bezos. Really? So I say, you know, I look at Musk and I don't see anything that he has done that's been particularly unethical. And we got to get behind him and trust him. I got a lot of Tesla shares and I'm taking a beating on him right now, but that's okay. Um, you know, I'm holding, but I just think the guy's great. And, um, I worry about that Neuralink in the hands of people who are unethical, but we have no choice because we have to keep moving forward and we've survived worse. I mean, yeah. as you said, we survived the atomic bomb. I mean, we didn't get bombed, but the technology exists. The Soviets have it. Uh, seven or eight other countries have it now. And somehow, some way we haven't destroyed the earth. Yes, and that's, let's play devil's advocate. Elon Musk does have a ton of contracts with the DOD and the Space Force and the NRO. But again, all we have is you have to judge the actions. And I see a guy who has openly talked about on Rogan his immense fear of what happens when AI comes along and it usurps us. He had gone to the White House. He had gone to the U.N., and no one was doing anything about it. He is using, he could probably make a lot more money if he just tried to fight for like the new Sentinel ICBM contract. But he's making self-landing rockets to lower the price of a kilogram to orbit. And he's hell-bent on getting us to Mars. Like, listen, if he's duping us, then he's duping us and it's all done anyway. You have to take the best possible. Risks. Yeah, we we don't really have any other option. We can sit here and go, well, I don't like what Elon... Okay, well, then what else are we getting behind? We are going up against a World Economic Forum at CIA, right. a, a China, a whatever. Hey, man, strange bedfellows. You you got to get on the team that's, that's the best one for you. And, Agreed, 100%. And I do think that's where he's looking at it is you got to get ahead of it and you got to get... On, you got to get on board and you got to move forward. There's really, there is no other option. And, you know, if he's duping us and he's controlled opposition, well, then the game's over anyway. And it's, yeah. but I, I don't, I, and that, who knows, but it's really just based on my gut. I don't, I, I, I do think that he is, he is pro human. And like you said, we survived. I mean, we survived. We've survived the Cold War yes, right now, did. every day, yesterday, tomorrow. You know, years ago, when um, well before you were born, 
they used to say that Wilson, uh, Reagan, Ronald Wilson Reagan, he is the Antichrist 666. Yeah. And this was flowing around on the streets and where he's going to blow up the world. Reagan's been long since dead and 30, 40 years have passed and we're still here. Yeah. So we're not as bad off as um, as we think we are. We just got to be aware. I mean, you talk about nuclear weapons and I know you've read the books. There have been lots of near accidents. Oh, sure. Yeah. They've been literally physically falling out of airplanes for years. Yeah. Um, when you're dealing with something that sensitive, accidents are going to happen. Nothing made by man is foolproof. And um, we still didn't blow up North Carolina. We yeah, didn't Green, blow up Greensboro. South Carolina. You know what I'm talking about. And so the issue of the day is we just got to keep moving forward and trying to do the right thing and holding everybody accountable. And um, uh, Elon Musk has put himself out there. I mean, he could be like, let's say Warren Buffett and they're like, hey, I'm making my money. I'm doing my thing. I'm investing in whatever the heck I want to. And as long as I get profit, no matter what this evil thing it is, I invested in it. At least I made money for my uh, my investors. Um I see Elon Musk as an equitable, as a as a person with some ethics who is actually lucky enough to become the richest man in the world. So, yeah. Now, mind you, um, you look at the the electric cars. I mean, I was almost I was that close to buying a Tesla. That was going to be my retirement present. And then I started doing research on this, um, you know, the lithium batteries and where they come from, and lithium then mines. how. Yeah. And uh, most of them are in war. The, the mines are in war torn areas. And then there's the idea of the residue from the from the batteries when they're done. Where are you going to store all this stuff? The ocean. And also the power. Yeah, exactly. Sure. And the power grid here in the United States is really not ready for everyone to have an electric car. And yeah. nobody's talking about that. But the World Economic Forum is push, 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 buy these sixty, seventy, eighty thousand dollar electric cars, and then when we're tired of you, we'll just shut them all down so you can't try. kill switch. And again, it's, there you have it. There's that double edged sword, but you have to keep moving forward. You keep you moving to, forward. I mean, um, yeah, the Greensboro, North Carolina, uh, uh, Command and Control by Eric M. Schlosser is a great book about a specific uh, silo. I forget where it is. I think it's Arkansas. It was like the deadliest leak. The fuel leaked and it killed a bunch of the operators. It's a great book because he's as he's telling that story over, you know, 15 hours of audiobook, he's constantly jumping into other segues about uh about all these other, I think they're called broken arrow accidents. So from like Italy to Spain to North Carolina to Canada to Greenland. Yeah, we've we've like dropped the physical weapons. We've lost the physical weapons. We've, you know, spilled a fissile. We've almost launched them. I mean, I think sometime during the Cold War, a bear chewed on like a fence outside of like a Minot or Mino missile silo. And they thought, yeah, they thought it was like the Spetsnaz and they almost launched them. Somebody put yeah. in a war game cassette in Cheyenne Mountain. And uh, I guess the. Uh, it's supposed the value of the missiles being launched on the computer is supposed to be zero zero zero, but someone had accidentally entered a two, so they got a warning that two missiles were coming, and then twenty two, and then two hundred and twenty two, and then two thousand two hundred and twenty two. I think the big new Brzezinski was woken up uh, by whoever was alerting him about DEFCON, and said uh, two thousand two hundred and twenty two Soviet missiles are inbound. And uh, he wasn't going to have time to make it to a nuclear bunker, so his designated uh, successor was already at Mount Weather. 
and I don't even remember what book this is from. They all blend together. But he was laying in bed with his wife and decided not to wake her because he was like, why would I scare her? Like, we're, I'm in D.C. I'm about to get hit by 100 megatons of Soviet fury. But but we're here. And those are yeah, all terrifying. Yeah. And you you might and say... And you are very well read, by the way. I'm, I have an OCD interest in stuff. <laughs> and then, I, and then I, I, I read every book on it and then it doesn't go away. But you might look at this and go, okay, well, it's only a matter of time, sure. And then you might say, well, then why even have these? And then you get back to, well, if you don't, someone else will, all the way back to the first caveman finding a rock. Yes. That's human nature. And we can't deny that. And it's just, these are the rules of the game. These are the rules of, well, why do we have these instincts? Well, genetics and survival of the fittest. I mean, you're getting into like the fabric of reality. So we have survived all of these, right? We've survived have and today, tomorrow, and right now, right now, this very moment, there are thousands of nuclear weapons in silos, on stealth bombers, in submarines, Chinese, French, American, Indian, Pakistani, Russian. Russian. They're all pointed. They're all pointed, yeah. and they have designated war games and trip wires, and and it's not just robots. It's 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 fallible humans in missile silos with keys. Yes. However. For something that is unavoidable, we have done, and I don't think it's arguable, I think it's objective by the very fact that you and I are alive today, that that society still exists. We've handled this with flying colors. You can't... Oh, we have. We're still here. I think this is probably one of the great bottlenecks. If you could somehow have a god a God's eye view of all of the universe... This is probably one of the great bottlenecks of intelligent species, nuclear weapons. Mm -hmm. We passed. Then now we passed the 19th, the Cuban Missile Crisis. We passed 1983 Abel Archer. We passed 9-11. Uh, we didn't declare all out war when it seems like COVID was engineered. Like for all of our problems. Hey, man, we're still here. You know, you get C's, get degrees. You pass OCHEM, you pass OCHEM. So, yeah. You know, it's funny you just said something. Being a an unvaccinated person, um, you ever looked up the term "died suddenly"? I interviewed the uh, the directors last week or two weeks ago. Yeah, imagine that. Yeah, and um, and when you had, and I don't want to change the subject. No, I don't care. It. Well, the thing is that when you had Doctor Malone on, mm -hmm. it just blew me away. And I've been following you and him and some of the other folks and. Now it seems, why are people not talking about all these anomalies in the medical industry with the myocarditis and the um, remdesivir and yeah. all that sort of thing? You know, are we that sheepish? I would argue that we are talking about it. They are. Some affected. people are talking about it. I think a lot more people are talking about it than we even know. Be not just because of censorship, but part of the effect and value of censorship is, is you want people to feel alone. You don't want to listen. If I'm, if I stand out on the, you know, my balcony and everyone in Portland is just for whatever reason, all outside. And I go, how many of y'all think that the vaccines are causing myocarditis? And like, you know, even a 50% raise their hands, I'd still know I'm not alone. And I'm like, good. and that gives you, you're like, okay, I know I'm not crazy. But when you're just alone on your couch and you're scrolling through your, 
and you're scrolling through Facebook or Reddit and you don't see any articles on it. No one's talking about it. You must go, yeah, it's probably not a thing then. But what you don't realize is that there's 100,000 other people, 100 million who are all scrolling and they're going, oh, no one's talking about it. Like, whatever. I guess it's not a thing. There are some people like me who are going, hey, this is a thing. It's happening. And those people are effectively shadow banned, blocked, IP banned, removed. Imagine. So when I say or when you say that not a lot of people are talking about it, I would argue that a lot of people are talking about it, but that is part of the power of censorship is not just to stop the information from getting to people. They want you to feel alone. But the thing with that is, like you said earlier, if you're going to do a missile strike on a crowd of people, you better kill them all because if you don't, there's going to be one or two people who are hell-bent on revenge. There you have it. With top-down censorship, you have to control 100%. But there's a Rumble, there's a BitChute, there's an Odyssey, there's a Spotify, there's a Clout Hub, a Brighteon. You got Elon buying Twitter. Well, now you have the people that survived. And so what you do do is you go, all right, well, let's see. I've done 1,031 episodes. What are the most viewed top 10? Oh, it's all about COVID, pericarditis, myocarditis. What about the top 20? COVID, pericarditis, myocarditis, uh, inflation and election fraud. What about the top 25? Then you pull in vaccine passports, uh, border crossings, and and you go, wait a second, hold on. So the few people that, the few channels that do break away and you do have an accurate sample size, my top 15 episodes are responsible for over 99% of all views on this channel. Wow. Out of 1,031 episodes... This is episode 1032. And I've got a total of 3.292 million views. Congratulations. Thank you, sir. About 3.1 million are specifically about vaccine side effects, myocarditis, pericarditis, election integrity, 2020 election fraud, and and, uh, border crossings, vaccine mandates, and uh, aid to Ukraine. And those things keep me up at night. Well, those are the things that you then have to extrapolate. And you go, yeah. is it, you go, is this just a coincidence that the people that use Rumble all happen to be in the same? Or if I grabbed any random 3 million people from anywhere on the censored ocean of big tech, I'd go out on a limb and say I'd probably get 99% of views in the top 10 episodes. So unless you have 100% top-down effective control of everything much like a vaccine, if you don't kill it all, you get a variant. You can use bleach, but if you get 1% that survives, (laughs) they regenerate and they become lethal. So what are the top trending things on Twitter? It's the Twitter files. It is the government using the Twitter to censor. What are they censoring? USA to Ukraine, inflation numbers, border crossing numbers, vaccine deaths, uh, insurance claims. So at first glance, sure, it can seem that no one's talking about it. But if you just look a little bit under the covers, just pull up the, the, the take a peek inside of the tent, the overwhelming majority of people are aware of it. And I want more people to be aware of it because sure. there are people in our government have basically sold us out. And now they're trying to get away with it. Fauci's over here retired and thinks that, you know, we're just going to forget about this and, 
no, I'm far too much of a vengeful spirit to let that happen. And I'm not the only one because I know you think the same way. And then it's also back to the military industrial complex thing. Um, and by the way, don't let me keep you forever. I've, I've got it's three twenty-five now I've got another podcast at four. So, uh, dude, we shut th- down when you say shut down. Okay. All right. I just, sometimes I, sometimes I realize I keep, I'm keeping people verbally hostage. Um, but like the military industrial complex, it, it helps to not be a crazy person with mismatched socks screaming on a sidewalk. It helps when you go show, you know, a, a video of Dwight Eisenhower from the Oval Office, right? All of these things are the best way you can approach it is through credibility. And that's why I'll, you know, if we're going to talk about the Air Force, I'm going to have you on. If we're going well, to talk you. about, if we're going to talk about mRNA vaccines, I'm going to have on Dr. Malone. And that's what adds to the credibility of it. And, you know, the truth doesn't mind being investigated. The truth yeah. doesn't mind being, because it just is. The truth is, is a lion. It will defend itself. Just let it out of the cage. Yeah. Uh, there you go. Was that St. Was that Saint, not St. Francis? It was, um, was that St. Francis? I don't remember. Um, I don't remember, but I know the quote. But it's just, it's all, yeah, yeah. You're not worried about passing a lie detector test if I'm asking you, is your name Bernie Flowers? Now, if you're a CIA operative sent to kill me, you you might be a little, I'm not actually Bernie. But I don't, I don't, you ask me if I'm Tommy, I'm Tommy Kerrigan. It's just it's what it is. Just, the truth doesn't mind it. You can pick you it up. You don't have to remember the truth because it comes out. It's the it lie that you yes. have to remember. Well, and that's the thing is the lie takes, it is so delicate. The lie has to be so meticulously constructed and maintained that Mm -hmm. it is on our side that it cannot last it will break you can you can keep a conspiracy going for a long time you can keep a lie under wraps for a long time don't don't doubt these people's uh work ethic they're evil but they're 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 motivated to keep something quiet they they do it well there you go it will eventually come out and that's again this podcast on rumble or elon buying twitter or joe rogan who was a big has, another big favorite of mine has all the money you. yeah thank you sir has all the money in the world has absolutely no reason to to put himself in the crosshairs of the woke left but still did it because he was like the the government's colluding with Pfizer still did it none of these would allow be allowed to happen if there had been a successful coup and it was over mm-hmm. they just wouldn't you'd shut it down yeah. The fact that the game is still going shows that it's not over yet. And keep pushing. And it's also just on like a less noble and less philosophical level, there's also just like a fuck these people. <laughs> like <laughs> you know, it's like after all the high-minded we're talking about the fourth industrial revolution and the history of man, there's also just the you're having a beer and you're like, dude, these guys are pussies. Like you really and you're gonna let Anthony Fauci win. You're gonna let I'm, no. I'm, I'm I'm Fauci. You're gonna let these limp dick guys win. I get it if we're looking at like a mountain of Vikings, and I'll be like, yeah, they might kill us. Dude, yeah. we're looking at the weakest people in the yeah. world. We're looking at a George Soros, a a 99 year old Henry Kissinger. You sneeze in the same room as him, he's dead. You look yeah. at these people. These are weak. These aren't even beta males. These are Worst some kind of nerds. They are, and they're not even like cool nerds. Elon's a cool nerd. No. These are these are people yeah. that hide behind the shadows. They hide behind yeah. censorship. They hide behind. And Klaus wall. Schwab, 
Is he not the epitome of Dr. Evil? He's a not. His grandfather was a literal Nazi. He was a Nazi yes, industrialist. Sir. Look at who we're fighting. And then just imagine that, you know, we open up a time machine and some, uh, you know, GIs from World War II step out. Who were actually, if you ever read Eisenhower's letter to like all the soldiers uh, right after we declared war is like, uh, goes on to say, you know, this is like, we are fighting on the side of God almighty. But then he goes, then he says, um, he goes, beware your enemy is, has, has advanced weapons and is battle hardened. They were fighting actual men. The, 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 uh, the kamikaze Japanese who believe their leader is a God or the advanced, the technologically advanced Germans using meth who mm -hmm. believe that they were superior. You were fighting actual foes, like actual yeah. guys. It's like, Hey man, we, we might not win. Look at who we're fighting now. They have to hide behind drag queens reading to children. Oh, don't they get have me started. To, they have to hide behind uh, normalized pedophilia. Love is love. Age is just an age. Look at what we're fighting. Yeah. If you, if that doesn't get your blood boiling, you des we deserve to lose. My blood's been boiling for quite some time, and a lot of this in this book. But the issue today is that I'm just proud to live in a place where I can say what's on my mind and I want to keep it that way. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. And and live in a place where, it's, where you can be wrong. Yeah. Like we yeah. might be wrong. And you know what happens? The Gestapo doesn't come to my door and behead me. I lose some yeah. subscribers and they go, hey, dude, you were completely wrong you know, this never happened. And then I go read about it and I go, oh shit, I was wrong. And then you come out and do an episode. Yeah, I was wrong, but now I read and now I'm better. Like, I've, been even, I've even seen Joe Rogan say I was wrong, you know, seen, on different issues. Seen it's Dr. okay. Seen Dr. McCullough come out. He, I think he said on Rogan, it's impossible to get COVID twice. And then he came out like two months later and was like, start citing all these papers. He was like, I was wrong. But like the empirical research shows I was wrong. And you know what? People respect that. And they, you go, yeah. oh yeah. I was wrong. I would imagine if people lived forever and there was, you know, we didn't die, you'd probably have a lot of astronomers going, I thought the world was flat. And then, but then, you know, a hundred years later, 500 years later, they created the satellite and I was looking at it and I'm like, that is curved. Like, it's okay. Pe people, people are okay with it. Any reasonable human being will look at someone that acknowledges new data and goes, oh, dude, I was completely wrong. I'm so sorry. People are but, reasonable. But something you just said, that tweaked me. And here I go off and listening to you again, you know, California just passed this law where pedophilia is real. You know, a 21 year old can have sex with a 14 year old and it's not, you know, uh, they're not going to put them in the, uh, the, what do you call that database with all the pedophilia uh, people? Uh, um, uh, sexual predators, offenders. The yeah, offenders. there you go. What is California doing? And why are they making pedophilia legal? Why are we allowing drag queen story time to take over our schools and our libraries? And, you know, even here in conservative Howard County, Maryland, uh, they're having drag queen story time, even at military bases. And I'm like, why would, why is it okay to make fun of you, you can't say the N word, but yet you can, you know, marginalize women by making fun of them or caricaturing them. You got some big husky 200 pound, 
you know, bearded man dressed up in women's clothing. To me, that's a caricature. To me, you're making fun. You're mocking natural born women. And why people are not angry about that, I will never know. I would say that part of free speech is you you can mock people. You can, you know, you have to have thick skin. Although uh, drag isn't for me, I'm also for the the liberty and freedom of adults. You know, you want to, and you're, you know, you're an adult and you want to go to a, a drag, sh- more power to oh. you. Not my cup of tea, more power to you. Why is it being exposed to children? And people, and they'll, and they'll try to characterize you to say, oh, you're against drag queens or you're against uh, teaching uh, about homosexual relationships to kids. My, 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 but my best friend's uncle is gay. He's the coolest guy and the most respectful guy in the world. He's a wonderful human being. He, he's, and he's also just fucking awesome. My it nieces that I was talking about, they're gay. They're wonderful people. I God love them bless you. I don't, Do I don't, your thing. Yeah. It's not that I care about kids being taught gay sex versus, hey, I, I, if I was taught heterosexual sex in middle school, I'm sure my dad would come in swinging because they're children. It has nothing to do with gay or straight. They're children. I'm not against drag queens. They're children. Yes. And people that we gotta do protect that, our kids. And again, so you see who this enemy is. It's not a, a battle-hardened a German army. It's not a fanatical Japanese army. These are not these are not men. These are not these are not people who are gonna siege your town. They are slinking, slimy, just slithery. They're pedophile. They have to they have to legalize it. We have to normalize it. Using love the is law love. against us. They, these are not people to succumb to. I mean, for the love of God, if they beat you, by definition, they are natural selection has chosen them. Maybe it's my own arrogance, but I refuse to be beat out by a Fauci or a a 300 pound bearded man in a tutu saying that love is love. If they beat me out, if they beat me out, my dead ancestors are going to (laughs) disown me and as well as they should. I agree 100 percent. But let's go back to this. Okay, how does this fit in with this Bill Gates idea of reducing the population of the... Well, I would say reduce reproductive couples, induce self-hatred. Well, it's also, it's not just reproduction. It's also there's, it's an idea of self-hatred. Part of the idea of shifting the Overton window to allowing for the reduction of the human population is not just one you know, physically stopping reproduction by having same-sex couples, which, again, go for it. I don't care. It's not even the drop in fertility rates that we're seeing at the same exact time of the vaccine. Imagine that. Doesn't take a genius. It's not just those. War can only reduce so many people. I mean, World War II, as bad as it was, including civilian deaths, was 85 million. That's a lot. That's nothing to sneeze at. That's... 1% of today's population, a little over 1%. War doesn't, so that's not really an effective route. So you then have to what use climate change. We are the problem, carbon footprint, right? Which that term was, just like the term conspiracy theory was coined by the CIA, the term carbon footprint was coined by British Petroleum after the oil spill in the early 2000s to shift the burden. They are the villain. They are the villain and they're telling us that we're the villain. 
Yeah, well, and it's we're because, buying it. It's because they are because that's what a villain would do. Like, yeah, you know, what's what's the like the the parable or whatever? Like a scorpion got on the back of the turtle or to swimming across the pond, and yeah. he says, "You're just gonna stab me when we're there." And he says, "No, I won't." And then they get there and he stabs him. And he goes, "You always knew I was a scorpion, whatever it is." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> surprise, surprise. The villains are telling us that we're the villains and they know they're the villain. Yeah, that's what a villain does, right? That's what a so, villain does. Yeah. And, yeah, you know, and it's funny you mentioned something again. I'm keying on your words, but, you know, we think the same way. So you're going to get a lot of that from me. The issue of the day is the replacement rate for our population in the United States is something like 2.0 children per couple. Mm-hmm. We're not having kids. We're down to 1.6 children per couple we can't replace our population at that point so eventually we go away yeah and people don't understand that we're not having kids anymore we're not having normal relations and in a generation it's going to really tell and then again you got the same problem a worse problem in china you've got that one child policy that they instituted a generation ago so you got like millions upon tens of millions like Last check, 39 million people, males that have no women. Yeah. So they're not making kids and their population's falling and we're starting to get older. Yeah. So with all that said, are they trying to gradually speed up the the demise of the human race? I don't know. I think they are. And it's kind of one of those things where like, you know, you can maybe get someone on board with the military industrial complex. And once you start talking about the fourth, you know, industrial revolution, world economic forum, they're like, all right, it's a little weirder. There's another level above that. And it's what I truly believe. And it's just really any theme from any book I've read or any news art. The underlying theme I can really understand is there are, there are pro human forces and anti human forces. And I'm very specific to say human. It's not pro-Chinese, pro-American, pro It's not nationalism. It's also not pro-Christian versus pro-Muslim versus... It's not religion. It is pro-human versus anti-human. And you might Agreed. think... At the surface level, it goes to anti-human. You want to get rid of humans. Well, that's, contra- that's self-defeating. No, it's... I was talking to a guy yesterday who actually kind of set up well... And he was like, transhumanism, where we merge with machines and leave behind humanity. There's two ways to look at that. It's the next evolution of man, or it's the end of man. And I guess in my mind, I'd always had it as Armageddon being an asteroid or a nuclear war. But no, once you view transhumanism and the sort of ascension of a select elite, that's no different than the end of humanity. You know, uh retirement's retirement you you put in your time with the u.s military and you know you retired i can go win a scratch off and be retired although one of us earned it Mm. retirement's still retirement right so it's still it is what it is so how does that play into pro-human anti-human which i think is like the grand thesis of it all military industrial complex world those are all subsets of this the pro-human versus anti-human agenda is you have a group of people that are one uh they don't act like traditional human. They prey on children. Yes. And they it is self-hatred. And that is what they want to be engendered. We're seeing the beginning of it, right? We've seen the beginning of it over the last maybe five years, the really ramping up of the it's evil to be white, it's evil to be born white, which is, I mean, the definition of racism, right? I mean, you, things you can't control. It's the opposite of MLK. They dream of a day where people will be uh, judged by the color of their skin and not the content of their character. 
but I think it's going to be expanding. It's not because they want to remove whites and bring in a new, no, it, I think it will soon be expanding to what is global warming? What is carbon footprint? What it is, is a woman? It, these are all things to make you not, not hate whitey and be pro-black. They want you to hate being human, human, Indian, Brazilian, Pakistani, whatever, Madagascar, whoever's yes. down in Antarctica, whatever carbon footprint you are damaging the earth they want you, you are to, at fault you are at fault and just like if you don't get the covid vaccine you're killing grandma and if you're against the patriot act you're pro 9-11 like a villain does they take mm -hmm. a high-minded oh you don't want the earth to continue mother earth you don't want the dolphins to continue they're taking the most precious thing and they're hiding behind it just like they're hiding behind the idea of of the freedom to love to actually enact pedophilia they are hiding behind protecting the earth is what they're doing to get rid of humans. They want you gone because they are reaching a point in human history where they no longer need you and exactly. they can ascend to whatever they want. There is no, and I'm not even against the idea of evolution emerging with machine again, like the H bomb. I think we're reaching an unavoidable. This is just what happened. We, we, at some point we stopped swinging from trees and we started standing up straight. Like, Evolution happens. I'm not I'm not blind to that. I understand that there is a future of humanity that is probably unrecognizable to us today. However, I think there is a group of people that are deeply anti-human. They are anti any belief in God. They are anti loving yourself and not just because they want to get rid of you because you're carbon. I think it's deeper. I think it's they don't want you to love yourself for your own flaws. They don't want they don't want you to exist in this form. Well, and you very mentioned clearly that. Yeah. You mentioned Ray Kurzweil earlier. Yeah. And his philosophy is that we will evolve ourselves through technology just where we can live for three hundred years. Well, he wants forever. Yes. He wants immortality. Exactly. So who gets to make that decision? Well, who gets only to those who can afford it? Well, who gets to live forever? Yeah, exactly. Who who makes that call? Yeah, certainly then, not me. So then you got to start wondering, and it's like, and you try not to like jump into these, but you're they're kind of unavoidable. Where you start going like, man, this is hitting on some like, like biblical themes of yeah. Of, I mean, truly, like Adam and Eve, or in all through all the 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 through Gilgamesh through. You know the the Talmud, Sumerian tablets, the all religion. Deal. I'm not I'm not just attacking Christian. I mean all religions. Yes, you were getting to these. Every... Yes, the themes of becoming like the gods of of yes. uh, of usurping the. I mean even Greek, right? To cl they climb Mount Olympus and try to remove Zeus tries to remove Kronos and Kronos eats him or something. We're getting into some like revelations and yeah. time. Like the Genesis arrogance of man type stuff. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. And people are not getting this. And what bothers me is where's the curiosity? Where is, I mean, um, where, why are people not interested in this? Now I grew up Southern Baptist. Yeah. Going to church every Sunday, you're going to hell if you breathe, you know, that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, and all those many long deployments after a while, I started reading the Bible for myself and I found some very interesting things in there. And um, I don't want to turn this into some kind of crazy um, podcast and get you kicked off a of rumble too. But like, the issue I, of the day is people need to read their religious books because um, in every um, 
culture that there is, there's a flood story. Mm-hmm. And, and every story, single one. Every single every one. Every single one. Yeah. And um, the Hopi have a, a flood story. Um, obviously, our own Bible. Um, the Indians have their uh, Manu story. And on and on and on. They're pretty much the same thing. Yeah. And so who's to say that who's manipulating all this? Where are they driving us to? And then you remember the movie, The Matrix? Yeah. You know, are we real or are we simulated? Yeah. So, I mean, we're getting into some deep stuff here. I mean, very well, we, I could be sitting in some, some pod with, a, with oh, some sure. kind of hitch up in my neck, just like Neil. Sure. I don't know. Oh, well, uh, yeah, I mean, what's real? Perception is reality. Am I a brain in a vat or not? It, no, it's, but these are unavoidable, much like the Neuralink or the hydrogen bomb. As you get to these higher and higher orders of ideas from plugging in a car to what is money to, you know, what is the consolidation of power to pro-human, anti-human to the transcendence of even nationalism, but rather people that, as my buddy Stoli always says, the carbon they want to reduce is you. Yeah, you eventually have to zoom all the way out. And then well, if you're going to zoom all the way out, you also have to look as far back as you can. You can't just look back to Eisenhower or Smedley Butler. You can't just look back to the Renaissance. You got to go. What's the early and earliest written texts? What are the yeah. oldest stories passed down? And it's, it's the religious texts across all cultures, across all continents. You have to go to the religious texts. That's just what it is. Why would and, you go to the trouble of putting your words in stone. That means you want them to last. These are the stories the Sumerian... that lasted above everything else. Yes. I have a handful of, I'm not a very physically sentimental person. There's a handful of things I keep. I have the paddles from my fraternity. I have a, I have like an old cigar box. My grandpa gave me, I have a CD that my, my deceased brother gave me when I was like 10 very few things, but there's a reason why I still bring them with me through thick and thin is because these are the few things that really do matter to me. Why would you put these stories down in a time when you are still a hunter gatherer or you are at best getting wheat? Why would you do something that is not energetically efficient? You are wasting yeah. precious calories taking a stone and hitting a stone uh, and or taking a, yeah, a, a rock and hitting a stone, both of which could be used for weapons but instead, yes. you are finding a reason to put it on here. And before you had these, you went out of your way to orally pass down stories. Hey, kids, I don't know where you're going to go. I don't even know if this tribe's going to survive. But above everything else, on top of, you know, you got to find food, you got to find water, and you got to find a mate and a place to sleep. You also got to remember these important stories about a flood, about a wrathful God. And in many ways, there is a, a very valuable infrastructure to all of them. They all basically say, treat others the way you want to be treated. Don't cover your neighbor. You don't go. steal shit. Very good, you know, basically basic software for the human. But they all talk about a flood. And they all also talk about, like, the arrogance of man trying to usurp the creator. And, yes. I mean... A recurring story. Is is that not where we are going? Well, let me ask you this. Yeah. Graham Hancock. Sounds like yeah. you've been... I love Graham yeah. Hancock. And why are they? How, why have they been suppressing his ideas for forty years? They don't. I mean, he's got this wonderful Netflix special, which I yeah. watched and enjoyed greatly. And the mainstream archaeologists are like poo-pooing it. He's a terrible person. Yada yada yada. But who built all these pyramids? Yeah, the water. The the who are the 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 doctors? The uh, uh, 
uh, Robert, is it Kosh or Koval? No, no, the, he there's in his book Fingerprints of the Gods and um, Magicians the of the Gods. The guy God. from Boston, uh, Boston University. Robert, was it, was it Robert Shock? Shock. Yeah, the, yeah, the the rain marks on the Sphinx. Yeah. And, oh no, undeniable, undeni- Um, the science is there. Yeah, f- but f- they try to poo-poo it. Fingerprints to... of the gods. Yeah. Uh, yes, I've read that. Yeah, the Peary Rise map. Admiral Hapgood from the early fifties, and they when and like they had a map of Antarctica, like from five hundred years ago. Yeah. But only just two years prior did like the British Expeditionary Force use sonar to map the, uh, the coast of Antarctica because it was and still is under two miles of ice. And they're like, well, how did they get this? And then they go back and they find out the Peary Rise map is like, he was like, oh, this isn't mine. We found it in like ancient Egypt. And you're like, wait, what yeah. the fuck? And it's like, it dates all the way back to, so you have to wonder like, well, it's the same thing as censorship. You yeah. gotta main. You gotta maintain the narrative and maintain the story. Right. I think this is the very bedrock. I mean, forget censorship and like the Hunter Biden laptop. This is like these. This is the oldest fake news, right? Yes. And you. We exist within this paradigm of the. Uh, you know, the Fertile Crescent is the birthplace of civilization, and then we invented the wheel and blah blah blah. It is that very story. It's almost poetic. Is starting to dissolve, yes. and you have to wonder. Why are they? It's one. I get it when you're trying to censor me because I'm talking about stuff that harms Pfizer. Yeah, of course you're gonna. Why wouldn't you? Well, who? Like what? We have big oil and big, but there's no big archaeology. It's not like it's a billion dollar industry. So why the hell are they going out of their way to censor Graham Hancock and Randall Carlson? You have to wonder why. Well, let me ask you? you this. Think about this. Okay, let's go back to Tesla, Nikola Tesla. Yeah. Nikola. So he apparently developed a power source, or better yet, discovered a power source that would basically have left oil and fossil fuels obsolete. Yeah, you want And yeah, sometime think... back before World War II, um, our government broke into his um, um, his compound in New York and his and basically confiscated all his stuff and. That man who has invented all these wonderful things, probably the microphone that you're using right there and all these other things, died penniless. Yeah, died yeah. penniless. So, yeah. so, so the idea of free energy, I mean, it's been proven that most of the, well, most of the pyramids that I've studied, uh, include the, uh, including the, the, uh, the pyramids at Giza, emit energy. Well, that was and maybe, another big thing is were, there these, you go. were these monuments or were these like ancient power plants? And it's and for anybody that's listening to us and rolling your eyes, go read about Nikola Tesla. The day he it's died, documented. yeah, the FBI came into his apartment. I think his body is still warm and under a National Security Act, uh, they confiscated everything. And it should have been immigration services because technically he's an immigrant, but it was the FBI. And they went and got they took all of his papers and brought it to the, I guess, the Office of Naval Intelligence. If you really want to go down an even deeper rabbit hole. Do you know who was in charge of the office to overlook his papers was Donald Trump's uncle, which yeah, is just a whole, that coincidence. whole other rabbit hole to go down. But it's I all documented. What, I think what we're seeing is um, everything. There's a reason why it's all being maintained. They're, they want to maintain the prison we live in. And yes. because truth will always come out. Maybe it's that the government uses Twitter to censor and five years goes by and then the truth comes out. 
Sometimes it takes 10,000 years. Sometimes. But eventually the lion comes out and you start finding old maps. You start finding old tablets going, what the fuck is this? This goes against. Let me ask you. Yeah. If we had to, if there was no reason to have to pay for the energy that we use, how could you 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 enforce a petrodollar? Exactly. Well, then that's the crux of it all. As you go, why would they? It all comes back to a mechanism of enforcement, which is. Then you have to wonder, is this the last bottleneck that we haven't broken through yet? We broke through the nuclear bottleneck. We survived the the Cuban Missile Crisis bottleneck. We survived the the bioweapons bottleneck, right? We outlawed the chemical ones right after World War One. We've survived a lot of the bottlenecks. But I think the final bottleneck is probably going to be, and I don't know if we'll see it in our lifetimes or even our grandchildren's lifetimes, but it seems to be the the dominion or power over others for no, I'm, I'm not some commie. I'm all for capitalism. Hey man, you provide a good, you, you better get paid for it. But the idea you that go. you want to keep a petrodollar going simply to uh, project force over someone, it seems like that is maybe the last bottle, much like the opposable thumb or standing up straight or the agricultural mm-hmm. revolution. I think the next great leap forward in mankind won't even necessarily be Neuralink it'll be a shift in our own mindset of do I need to control others or can we all act autonomously? Do we need, what happens when you get rid of the petrodollar? Well, we're all free to do whatever. So that is what I think could be the next bottleneck is how do we break free of, how do we break free of that? And I, I kind of think more and more that Elon Musk getting us to Mars isn't because he wants us to be a multi-planetary species. I'm looking at it more and more as he's surveilled the playing field and gone, this place is hopelessly corrupt. Yes. I think he's looking at it the same way the original pilgrims were like, hey, why would we leave England, the UK, the most advanced place in the world? Why do we get on ships that are rickety, that might not survive the journey? And if we do get there, we don't even know if it'll be hospitable. We don't. We didn't know if the Native Americans were going to come attack us. Why did they do it? Well, eventually you go, they were so sick of being ruled over that they said, fuck it. Anything else is better than this. The idea of freedom, freedom. is more valuable than anything. So then you have to go, why would people now, where you have the internet and Uber Eats and Netflix, why would they be considering getting onto a rickety rocket that might blow up might not survive nine months through inter- interplanetary space. And if you do survive, you land on a red, dusty planet. That needs well, to be terraformed. Yes. Well, someone 500 years from now might not understand it versus if you came back now and listened to this whole podcast, you'd go, oh, there was a group of 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 pedophile tyrants ruling the world. Yeah. yeah. Eventually you reach a point where you go, oh, I get where the pilgrims are coming from. Fuck these people. Let's get on our own ships. Deuces. I'm out of here. And if that is the case, it'll take 300 years, but America will rise over Great Britain. In 300 years, Mars might be the power of the solar system and the world could just be some backwater. And Tommy, let me let me take you somewhere else that you mentioned. All right. You were talking about the royal family. Yeah. Why is it that they have you know, they're arguably the richest people on the planet and that all the royal families of Europe are related. They're yeah. 
they 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 marry each other's cousins. Yeah. And so no matter what we do, they're all cousins. Yeah. The term blue blood, do we not see a pattern here? I do, because maybe I'm just a conspiracy theorist. Yeah. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But I know patterns when I see them. And um, why are we as Americans concerned with the goings on of Harry and Meghan and, and that sort of stuff and the drama that comes from that? It's yeah. a show. It's kabuki theater. Yeah. The people that are in charge are going to remain in charge. Bread and circuses for everyone while we take all the money for ourselves. I do. And I think that I think you got this Elon Musk character who's just going, fuck that. He's an outlier. He's a real life Iron Man who, yeah, you you go, he's a guy that I think if you brought back the founding fathers, they'd be like, yeah, that guy's all right. Like, you know, yeah, I believe yeah, so. He's got his powdered wig and musket and he's going, fuck these people. Let's get, we're getting out of here. And it's worth the fight again. Yeah. Dude, do you really want to lose to these, these anti-human pedophiles? Like, no, no, I, I just, I refuse to believe that our best days aren't ahead of us. It's I believe just, our best days are in front of us, but you got to fight for what's yours. Oh, sure. that doesn't mean it's easy. <laughs> it ain't easy. You know, I can my I you know I can look at the 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 weights I lift in the gym now, and I can say my strongest days are ahead of me. That doesn't mean that there aren't a lot of grueling days in the gym ahead of me, but it just means that my strongest days are ahead of me. Amen. It's the same thing here. Is I I truly yeah, believe bro. our best days are ahead of me or ahead of us. But with that. Yeah. Brandon, I got to wrap this one up because I got another guest coming on two minutes. But this was man, um, you're awesome. You're awesome, man. This was absolutely delightful. This was these are my favorite episodes. We we started with the B twenty one Raider and we ended up with the Great Pyramids and Nikola Tesla. To me, that Dude, is I can a, talk about this stuff all day, anytime. Fantastic. I I I, I urge you to continue down your 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 post retirement rabbit hole. I like I like what I see, and um. We will we will resume. I, I texted you. We we've got a date in the books for January, yeah. which will be yeah. about your book. And um, right. But uh, between now and then, man, uh, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Same to you, brother. Thank you so much. Much love, my friend. Stay safe, everybody. God bless.